This story begins in a time long ago, 2005, December, in a faraway place, the state of Israel and the Palestinian territories. In an odd turn of events at the last moment, my ex-husband, Scott Meredith, and I, and Scott and I founded Conscious Media Network together, ended up being invited to go along on a, a peacemaking mission. It was a revisiting of something, an event that had happened 10 years before, with the author Vernon Wolf, who created a system called Hollow Dynamics, which helps you release uh, subconscious patterns and regain your true power in life. Vernon had been to Israel, Jerusalem in particular, and had met with a number of people 10 years before, and I think Barbara Marks Hubbard was with him at that time, on a peacekeeping um, journey, trying to bring together Israelis and Palestinians to find some common ground using his hollow dynamic process, which, like all things, ultimately reduces to love. In his journey at that time, he came across two young Palestinian men in a um, an antique shop in, in Jerusalem on Via Della Rosa, which is where Jesus is said to have carried his cross uh, up the hill at his crucifixion on Via Della Rosa. So you see these enactments playing out and such all the time. And it was when we were there, it was Christmas, Hajj, and Hanukkah. All three events took place in the month we were there, which was fascinating to watch culturally how each of the groups of people honored this particular winter solstice holiday. We were going to revisit the two young men who had had an experience with Vernon that had resulted in their breaking down into a state of utter love and peace with one of the two young men named Muhammad coming to this flash of realization that my mother, your mother are all of our mothers and that every mother loves her son and cries if her son is hurt or harmed in any way. And every mother loves her children and all mothers are the force behind all of us, all of us young men are our mothers. A Jewish mother is my mother. An Arab mother is a Jewish man's mother. And that was his epiphany that mothers love all of us and all mothers would be the mother to all of us. So it was a beautiful blinding message to him after he'd been through some circumstances I won't go into that had made him extraordinarily angry. His father was his father was killed um, unnecessarily, shall we say. And he was very angry at the time Vernon met with him. And after this occurred, um, they decided they were going to be agents for peace in the Palestinian territories where they had grown up, and, and including Hamad, our other, the other young man. Uh, he, his family owned a very prestigious um, antique shop, the one I just mentioned on Via Della Rosa in Jerusalem, and he had another shop in um, Los Angeles area. So he was he was living a decent life. He had access to movement and money and such because of the nature of the antiques business. Uh, Muhammad did not. He was working as a mechanic in a garage and now had five uh, little children of his own. So we were there to 
ultimately meet with these two, but we were also there to meet with groups in uh, throughout Israel. Uh, we had some amazing experiences in the ancient city of Akka, where uh, the spice market was alive as it had been hundreds of years ago. I was sitting on the ancient seawall where the crusaders had tunnels underneath and went out to sea back in the day, feeling like I had sat there at some point in history before. It was really amazing. And we filmed uh, a beautiful young Israeli woman and an, who had her arm around an Arab man saying, we are friends and why do our governments try to keep us apart? We want to love each other. We want to be friends. It was a beautiful little video. And so we had these kinds of experiences pretty much all around, everywhere we went. And we went to the Dead Sea and swam and brought back chunks of salt to put in our baths and went to the Garden of Gethsemane where the gardener illegally, I'm sure he's not there anymore and we wouldn't know his name anyway, clipped a little piece off of one of the olive ancient, ancient olive trees in the Garden of Gethsemane and gave it to Scott and I to bring home and nurture. We tried, but it got lonely and it died. It wasn't working in our environment and soil and was sad. So that's a sad little story. That was sad. Um, in any event, it was this magical time in our lives of this confluence of history and events and modern history. And when we arrived, we were um, escorted by hosts. We had hosts um, on the uh, Israeli side, and they were to help us find lodging and also to escort us around and just kind of look after us, our, our little group of people. There are about eight of us um, Americans, a couple of Jewish people among them. And so they were to see that we were made comfortable and we knew our way around Jerusalem. And ultimately, we all also went to Tel Aviv together, uh, had wonderful experience doing tang Argentine tango with an Israeli soldier. He had to pass off his machine gun so it wouldn't go off while we were dancing. <laughs> Argentine tango in front of the Knesset. I mean, just crazy experiences. But the reason I'm telling this story is what happened when it came to Christmas. Because here we are, we're Americans, and we're thinking, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, we're in the cradle of Christianity. And so on Christmas morning, we asked our hostess, Marsha. Marsha was from South Africa. She had two children. She was divorced and decided to resettle. She was Jewish, decided to resettle in the state of Israel. And so she came loaded with all of the perceptions and fears and such that you would expect of someone living near uh, Arab territory near Palestinian territory. So meanwhile, we had been in the homes of Palestinians and had enjoyed their hospitality and were having fun with them over in, uh, in East Jerusalem, in the old town of Jerusalem, over in the Arab section of town, you know, talking to them about their rugs and watching how they would it was watching how they would deal uh, with the passersby. I remember this. I'll just digress for a moment. This one very, very elegant fellow, Ibrahim, he spoke seven languages, was uh, educated in Germany, had a, be a beautiful camel hair coat on, and he was looking after Hamad shop for him. Hamad had to go do some family business. And I, I was just hanging out talking with him. And I said, why do you lie to people about the value of those rugs? He said, oh, it's simple. You have you have to look at where the person's from. Some people in some countries know the value of things. Others do not. Americans do not know the true value. They only want things cheap. So 
you express a price that's way too much. They express a price that's way too little. You do your bargaining and you get something in between that's fair because I, I just thought he was asking outrageous prices. Of course, they didn't settle there. And I thought, you're right. We always want it on the cheap. So anyway, um, we're we're just I bought a rug from him too. Um, so we're in the midst of all these these experiences. And I think it was Christmas Eve rather than Christmas Day. Don't hold me to that. I, I could be mistaken. It could have actually been Christmas Day. And so we said to Marsha, Marsha, can you take us to Bethlehem for Christmas? Uh, we'd love to go over and see what the little town of Bethlehem is like, uh, because most of us in that little group were raised as Christians, one flavor or another. And uh, Marsha just became panic stricken. She said, no, of course not. And we said, why? And she said, that's, that's Palestinian held. And we said, well, what will happen to you? Because we, we'd been in Palestinian territory with uh, Jewish members of our group. And she said, oh, no, they'll kill me. And I said, Marsha, they're very kind people. These are really nice people, just like you, you and me. Um, they're not going to kill you. And she said, no, I can't do that. I won't take a risk of my life. I have two children. So I thought, okay, well, we won't push that one any further. So we just kind of killed some time and milled around. But then we had gotten an invitation from Hamad and a couple of friends of his to join them in uh, East Jerusalem in the Arab section of town at a really lovely restaurant. And they wanted to host us for Christmas dinner. So um, we were all dressed up and ready to go. And we asked Marsha, Marsha, please, come on, won't you come with us? And Marsha said, no, I can't possibly do that. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't come with you. Uh, these are Palestinians. I said, Marsha, they're very nice people. And um, so Marsha, I don't even know what made her, maybe my begging, I don't know what made her relent, but she did. So we all packed into the van and went over to the restaurant, which was a beautiful kind of grotto place with rough stone and just just gorgeous. Um, and we were served one course after another. We were served wine with our courses, though I don't believe our hosts drank. But the rest of us all had wine with each of our courses. And the food was exquisite. Everything was exquisite. And we had these wonderful conversations and learned a lot more about some Absolutely fascinating things, because while we were there, Ariel Sharon was brought up on corruption charges and then had a um, stroke the next day. So I, there's lots of stuff I could tell you that I probably shouldn't. But uh, the surgeon who worked on him's brother was one of the people at the table telling us what actually happened. And uh, apparently they just, uh, yeah, they they kept his body more or less alive for a bit. But anyway, that's a longer story. So we we, we found out all sorts of interesting things. We found out about the kids. Um, all of us found out about one of the doctors re was running rescue missions to bring the kids. He was a doctor. The kids in Palestine who have um, very, very high levels of heart disease from all of the stress and so forth that you read about in the news uh, to get them over into Israeli territory so they can have heart procedures and such. And what you go through in these circumstances and just the mess of life living in Israel and Palestine, this divided part of the world. And it was fascinating. We we were we were just, we felt like we, were, we had entered another universe, really. And 
So as the wine is flowing and we're all just sharing with each other very open heartedly, uh, I look down a couple of people down from me and I see Marsha and Marsha is glowing. Now, Marsha was a rather dour woman. <laughs> I'm sorry if you're listening, Marsha. I'm sure you're not. She was rather dour. And here I see she's just glowing and smiling. And pretty soon she has another glass of wine and she's laughing. And we're having this magnificent evening together. At the end of the evening, as we were driving home, Marcia said, I have not had that much fun in at least a decade. And she was just overflowing with joy. And I was in tears because I thought, this is amazing. Fears that run so deep, fears that are inculcated into us by the media, by our governments, by people that have agendas um, happening to this very day, to this very minute, all over the world. Doesn't matter what country you're in. These fears are being essentially drilled into us to create division and subservience. And the Israeli people are no different. They believe everything they're being told on their media, that every Palestinian is a terrorist and a murderer and killer. Um, and so for her to understand these are people um, and that there are generous people, kind people, beautiful people, in fact, was it was like the weight of her entire life and lifetimes had been lifted off of her shoulders. So all of us were just in such joy. We went to bed happy, happy that Marsha was happy. Um, so grateful to our host for showing us such a lovely time. And then, however many days later, it was Hajj. And so we were staying at that time. So the key part is the, the Marsha story, and there's an epilogue to this. But I just wanted to tell you our experience after that. Um, Hamad went away, and he had his family home was in Ramallah, which was behind the wall, which we had gone to, which was a very, very desperate, don't even want to talk about it, very sad situation. My whole body burst into tears when I walked through the wall and saw the rubble and the life. And so he, he had to traverse between his mother and his cousins and aunties and uncles lived over there, but he lived in his house most of the time in the city of Jerusalem because he was running the family business, which took care of all of them. I think he had like 35 people dependent on him because there really is no work available in the Palestinian territories. So he said, please have my apartment. And we walked in and there's this Oh, spilling, overflowing horn of plenty with dried fruits and fruits and nuts on it and a little note how to open this and do that. And we were literally, he had built up illegally and was busted by um, an Israeli building department officer for building without a permit. But the the uh, Israeli man um, inspector was so impressed with what he'd done. He got a he got off on a really light fine. But what he had done is he had built up another floor so that he was literally looking right down on the Temple Mount, the temple that you see with the golden dome and all of these pictures. We were there looking right down on it and watching all the activity bustling about inside the mosque grounds. It was just. It was just stunning. And right outside our window that accompanies that, of course, was a minaret where the prayers are um, chanted at like, I think it's four o'clock in the morning. We didn't, we weren't aware of that when we stopped. <laughs> So we woke up at four in the morning hearing the, the prayers coming literally right in our window because the minaret was right there. But it was just enchanting, hauntingly beautiful. The voice of the person singing these prayers was, was really beautiful. We had no idea what they're saying but it certainly was transportive. So 
we spent our time, that's where we spent the rest of our trip, um, was in his home in East Jerusalem. And so now it's time to pack up. We have done many sessions. We're watching people, both Jewish and Palestinian Arab, break down when they go through these holodynamic sessions, specifically in relation to their fear of the other. And we had seen these incredible transformations of people um, where there had been nothing but hatred, anger, and fear, just opening up and blossoming like young Muhammad, where one, one mother, a mother of one is the mother of, of all. And this, this was just, um, there are no words for gra- how gratifying it was to watch people um, go through this this transformation with the holodynamic process that Vernon was facilitating. Now we have our, our month is up and it's time to go home. And I my feet, when I first hit the my feet first hit the stone steps in old Jerusalem. And anybody who's been there um will know what they feel like, the smoothness where the feet have worn them down. The first time my feet hit there, my body thought, oh, you've walked these stones before. So probably have, but the before I left, my feet said, you will walk these stones again. I have not yet walked them again. Uh, it was a beautiful trip, an amazing trip, a harsh trip. There, you know, so much security. It's kind of scary. That's what my intuition said is you'll walk these stones again one day. So that remains to be seen, but I walked them then. And so as we left, we were just full, just full of every kind of feeling, emotion, experience. And there's nothing, I don't think there's any other place on earth quite like it. Like I said, for the confluence of events, beliefs, thoughts, history, et cetera. So we go home and now it's about three weeks later. And Paulette, who was a friend of Vernon's, who was also on the trip with us in our little group, Paulette and I received an email um, from Marsha. And Marsha said, oh, I am so excited to tell you. She said, since I saw you three weeks ago, I have fallen in love with a very dark-skinned Arab man. <laughs> we, la- we laughed so hard. <laughs> And she said, I am so happy. He's treating me so kindly. And she had been in situations where she had not been treated very kindly before. So, of course, this was just an amazing, amazing turn of events in her life. So in the end of it, Paulette and I talked to each other and we were just, our hearts were so full that she had had this such an incredible transformative experience just to have dinner with some Palestinians in a beautiful restaurant, changed her entire life. And so I I wanted to share this story with you because to me, this is a time of year when it's about letting go of grudges. It's about letting go of fear, of hatred, all these things that are being foisted upon us. Um, They're being foisted every time you open your computer in a news feed, Um, snarkiness and division and uh, such, that this is the time of year, whether it's Hanukkah, Christmas, Hajj, we're all human beings here to celebrate the lights in the darkest hours of the year. And today is the winter solstice, December 21st. And I thought, what more light-filled story could I possibly share with you? There's no interview I can do that would top the sheer joy that I feel from that particular experience in my life and that story. So I wanted to share it with you. A little gift of love from me to you for your 
Hanukkah, Christmas, Hajj, or what it, Kwanzaa, whatever you may celebrate.